Hey guys, we are back. The Impossible Podcast is back and here to stay. Uh, we'll be coming at you live every Thursday with a new podcast interviewing impossible people doing impossible things, helping you to push your limits and do something impossible. Today's guest is Ed Latmore of edlatmore.com. He's a professional boxer, a physicist, and he's really, really good at Twitter. He's basically the Confucius of Twitter. He's got he's gotten really, really good at distilling awesome little tidbits of wisdom into 140 characters. And if you're not following him already, you should be. Uh, in today's episode, we talk about mental toughness, his career as a boxer, his journey of how he's come up at Twitter, plus how black does he like his coffee. So I'm going to get out of the way. It's good to be back. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it. All right, and we're live. A couple difficulties, but we're here. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me, man. We we really did have some technical difficulties. You guys should have heard it. It was like there were, there were two of me, well, more like one and a half, the way it was linking up. But now everything sounds clear, I hope. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a tough, uh, that's a tough interview, two-on-one. Uh, two so if you guys don't know who Ed is, um, Ed... Maybe you can give them a little bit of your background, but I first came across Ed as uh, I think I think you're before I found you, you were the most r- random person I didn't follow that was retweeted in my Twitter feed. Um, somehow everybody everybody within my social circle uh, was finding your tweets and tweeting them out, and then I actually I told I just told you. Um, I, I followed you for a while, and then I had to unfollow you and move you to a private list because I was spending so much time um, just scrolling through your tweets and be like, "Man, that's good. That's good. That's good. Retweet that one." Um, and so, um, yeah. So I just give just give people a little bit of your background, and then we can talk um, a little bit more about um, you know how 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 all that came to be. Um. Yeah. So so like you said, a box. Uh, professional heavyweight boxer a record of 13 and one and one but no one ever counts the draw they just kind of ignore that when it comes time to market fights and make them unless the, even unless the draw was like some high level thing you can use to market but for, the, for effectively 13 and one and okay. and i'm in school right now i'm, I'm in my uh, what did we end we had this semester and then this semester and then i have two more classes so not a full semester before I have a full-fledged undergraduate degree in physics. So there's that. And and I, I like to write a lot, and it just so happens that Twitter is an excellent medium that rewards, you know, verbal acumen if you can translate it into to writing. So I, I really have fun doing that. People seem to get a lot out of it, and it really helps me clarify and sharpen my thoughts about many things. I mean, I, I tweet about so many different subjects that <laughs> that it's hard to say, you know, some people like to classify me as a, as a self-improvement account, but it, it depends on when you when you follow me. Sometimes I'm tweeting about black coffee. Other times I'm tweeting about physics. I mean, it just it just depends. But it all it all comes back to using the medium effectively to 
propagate ideas and propagate ideas through, a, you know, before they change the, to this 280 characters, which I think is a mistake because 140 characters forced efficiency. And whenever you have efficiency and economy in anything, you tend to get a much better result than had you had ac- excess resources, you know. So that, that, yeah. that's who I am in, in a nutshell without diving too deep into how we got there or why we got there. Well, it's um, the the I think the section um, of your Twitter feed that I ran across and really started to resonate with me because um, uh, what's interesting to me is we we have pretty different backgrounds, uh, but a lot of the things that uh, I talk about I found like in your Twitter feed and you had distilled them in a in a better way some ways, um, you know, than I uh, I I had thought about or said it in a different way. Um, and that's what really drew me. And I was going through your book as uh, oh, thanks, we were getting man. ready for the podcast. <laughs> and and like a bunch of the opening paragraphs kind of like put me on my butt. I mean, they're the things that I'm always interested in is, in, is when you run into people uh, with different backgrounds from you, you know, I've never boxed a day in my life. I've thought about actually getting into fighting a little bit more um, just because I think it's, you know, it's it's a useful thing, but I've never actually done it. I always played like basketball and, um, you know, all these ball sports. And, um, when I got back down to, you know, your book, it opens with, you know, like self-discipline <laughs> it, it all starts with self-discipline. Um, and those are the same concepts that I talk about on a regular basis, except it's with, you know, running ultra marathons and, and doing stuff like that. So, um, why, like, where did, um, as you're, you know, you, you describe yourself kind of as like a pseudo, not a pseudo, but um, like part-time philosopher. <laughs> um, where, where did like those angles? When you start writing, where did that show up? Um, where did that? Uh, you, you, are you just writing what's on your mind, or how do you kind of get the inspiration for? Um, you know, you're just sitting down and you say, "I'm going to tweet oh. this one day." And oh uh, well, yeah, you know where uh, it comes from for me is life. Right? I've been for better or worse in a position where I've lived quite a different ways or I've, I've lived in many different ways and the, and each, each way I've lived, I've learned from, and I tried to use to get to a better version of myself, better life for myself. And it, it works this way because it, or, or rather the reason why it works is because I try to sit and distill something from each thing that happens in my life. And when you, when you do that, you're forced to look at things objectively. Otherwise you can't, you can't get the best possible lesson from it. Sure. There are things you felt, but if you only focus on how you feel, you will ultimately miss a lot of good things because because the things that feel the worst are usually the ones that teach you the most. So I like to sit and reflect on that. And when I'm reflecting, it really is natural for me to do it with words or more specifically to do it externally, not to just keep it in my mind and mull over an idea, but to write it down, to speak about it to put these things together. And then I know it's a good idea. I know it is, I know I've captured the essence of what I've experienced. If I can put it into a format to where other people can get something from it, it doesn't matter if I get something from it. I've already experienced life, but it's like one of the, the de facto models of my blog is it's, I've, I've, I do things, uh, I, I break down 
but I've learned the hard way so you can learn it the easy way without having to go through like growing up in a project or getting beat on TV or being dirt poor and being an alcoholic, man, like all of these things, right? Uh, and those are just, those are the negative things. I mean, there's positives too. Like, you know, I'm sitting, you know, in my, in my apartment with, with my wonderful girlfriend and, and that they're meeting her and that's an experience too. And I, I draw from all of these things and I try to take those lessons and, and distill them and give them to other people. Cause I think, I think, uh, what good is your life if you don't use what you've gone through to try and help someone else kind of avoid the big potholes, the, the con where you hit and you don't just go through a bump, but you, your, your vehicle is completely out of commission and you're stuck. And so that's, that's where I, that's my motivation in my heart to try and give people that information, but mentally I'm just distilling what I've experienced. There's uh have you, have you read man's search for meeting by Victor? I Funkel? have, you know, that book was on my, all, oh, what is, what are we at? It's the year 2017. That book was on my bedside for like all of 20, for at least the, the second half of 2016, especially after I lost on TV, because it's so interesting to read that that tale of you know being in the concentration camps and what they had to go through and you realize man my life is just not that bad like no matter what no matter what you're going through you were not like you weren't in the holocaust i mean if you know if you happen to be that old and you're listening obviously you know hats off to you but most of us haven't been in anything close to that and so that to keep that kind of thing in perspective, I think stories like A Man's Search Meaning really helps people get to the next level of, give, of of seeing life through a lens of gratitude. Because maybe they've never dealt with any real hardship and it's all relative. But when they see just how bad it could really be from someone else's eyes, <laughs> then they're like, wow, holy shit, man. This yeah. guy, I, there was like a story in there I read, I remember where he, he, I think they made a march and dig for like 12 miles in the cold and they were already starving. I'm like, man, not only did you do it, but you survived and you were able to talk about it. Yeah. The, uh, so, so real quick for people who don't know, uh, what the book is about, it's basically Victor Frankl is a psychologist in, uh, the Holocaust and he basically documents, um, why people, why people, uh, why some of the people survived and why some of the people didn't. And one of the uh, overarching themes is that people who survived were able to find redemption in the suffering. Um, And when you're saying uh, what you were saying about, you know, all these bad things that, you know, all these things that you had to go through um, and then you're kind of distilling the lesson down, um, you're finding that little piece of what, you know, okay, that maybe that would, was hell at the time but as you came out through the other side uh you know what what can you get out of that and how do you move forward because if you just uh lament what happened uh you never actually make any forward progress right and and more important and not more importantly but but i guess a corollary to that is that to be able to take these lessons, right? Obviously, when you are in the moment of things being unbelievably difficult, it's very difficult. It's very hard for you to look back and say, or, or to distance yourself from yourself and go, you know what? Well, you're going to have some lessons from this. Just, just get through it. <laughs> no, right? At that, at that moment, you're like, yeah. holy shit, man, this is terrible and I need to get through it. However, after some time, after you go through enough difficulty, you kind of gain the ability 
to to do that. You do, and and you can look back and go, wow, you know, I'm gonna look at this, and I'm gonna what, what do they say? They say, well, you know, one day you're gonna look back at this and laugh. Well, people don't realize that that is not an innate thing, like. And most people are not in the middle of the hardship going, man, I'm going to look back at this time when I'm trying to decide between rent and food and laugh. Like, no, <laughs> right then you're like, man, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Or maybe I'm going to have to do some, some awful things to, to make sure I make it through this month. But <laughs> when you're constantly thinking this, when you're always thinking, how am I going to learn as you get better at seeing how a thing is going to teach you a thing you get better at making steps to to kind of facilitate that learning right if, if i'm a person who doesn't believe i'll get anything from my experiences then why would i ever try and improve from them why would i ever try and learn i'll be stuck right there but if i'm always sitting there thinking going okay this is bad right now but one day i'm going to be able to write about this and give it back to someone so they can avoid it then I'm going to be much more motivated to get through it and figure out a way. And not only that, but get through it in a way that's going to motivate a person. Yeah. The, uh, one of the, one of the things that motivated me to start, uh, so my background, um, I think you've read a little bit about it, but you know, I like six or seven years ago, I was living in my parents' basement, um, like being a UPS driver and just being really depressed with my life. And, and basically couldn't get hired by Starbucks. And oh man, they hire everybody. <laughs> no, just, I, I don't know. I, like, I, really Starbucks? Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't make some coffee really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, basically what, what kind of jump started me to actually start trying things was, uh, reading, um, reading a book that challenged me to like, think about my life as a story and see, like, do what a, a good character in a story would do. And so that's been interesting and, and writing about uh, the different things as I do them on my impossible list, as I go after them uh, actually has kind of changed the, the act of doing the thing because I'll be in the middle of a race. I'll be, you know, 40 miles into a race. And I'm like, I don't want to go any farther. And, And, and it's like, you know, it's, it's 110 degrees outside. Like I'm, have no more uh water in me at all like i'm completely drenched and uh sometimes i'm like you know what this sucks i'm pissed this is horrible nothing good is going to come out of this but at least i'm going to get a good story and like right. sometimes i'm like you know what? that's <laughs> that's the that might not be the best reason but it's a reason and no, um, I, I it's one of those that. things that if you can <laughs> if you can if you can remove yourself it it it's sort of it's sort of you make a deal with your future self and you're like, listen, this is going to suck right now for you. But in the future, like you're going to get something out of it. And um, I find a lot of those things like, you know, oh, building character or, you know, building resiliency. Like that's not really that interesting in the middle of the race. But you're if you can figure out like, OK, how can I how can I find anything in the situation to drag me forward? Um that's super helpful in just actually getting through the thing that you need to get through. Absolutely. I always, I always say, right. I remember when I was 28 and I decided, okay, it's time to go back to school. Right. And that's, I mean, the older you get, the harder it becomes to make that decision. But I said, okay, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'll be 33 on my next birthday in February. I said, okay, I'm going to be 33 regardless. What am I going to, am I going to become 33? <laughs> 
with some options or I'm going to be 33 trying to figure out. At that point in time, I think I was working at, I was working at T-Mobile. I was like, am I going to become, you know, one of those boxers who has nothing but my boxing and hope, hope, hope that I'm looking for jobs at like T-Mobile or working at night somewhere mm-hmm. doing like shift work, which I, you know, which, you know, more power to you if that's all you, if, they, if you're out there doing it and, and you're crushing it, but that wasn't for me. So what I, what I like to imagine sometimes though, on, on top of that future projection and using Tom that, and then using Tom in this way, as I like to go, okay, I imagine I'm sitting at dinner and I'm the most interesting person at the dinner table. How can I get there? Right. You get there by having stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember that was like the whole campaign. I wrote this thing about it. I don't, I don't remember why, why I did it or what I was looking up, but I was researching the Dos Equis most interesting man in the world campaign. <laughs> the original one. I don't like the new one, yeah. but the original one and you know, their sales skyrocketed. I mean, we're like, we're talking like 50, I think, I think there was 500% I read and, and then you get it because they paint the picture like like good advertising, right? If you drink this beer, you'll be this guy. Well, what's so appealing about this guy? Well, he's done a lot of things, a lot of different things, and a lot of hard things, and he's survived, and he's got stories now. And everyone everyone wants to be around someone who has that kind of interesting background, you know? And and if you continue to push yourself through things and you continue to learn and you might not be the best at them, but you're doing the thing that most people in the pot like, like you, I was reading your accomplishment list just in general, doing some research and you're one of seven people to complete an ultra marathon on on all seven continents. Right. Come on, man. That is like, you can't even put that number into a calculator, like seven over seven million. You're going to get effectively zero. So, so at any dinner table you go to, right? Using this, my, my little imagination exercise, yeah. you're going to be one of, if not the most interesting uh, people that, that everyone there has met. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's true. Um, no, I think I think the I think coming back to the stories is is the thing that is consistently is a underutilized driver that people don't necessarily think about, but once you figure it out, um, you, you're able to sort of detach yourself a little bit. I was um, I remember specifically there was a race I was in Finland and I was like 30k in the race. And basically this race was unsupported and there was no water anywhere. And, um, so I started eating snow, like, because I was, <laughs> I, I ran out of like, so I had a water thing at the beginning. It busted five minutes before the race. And so I grabbed a water bottle. I drank that like 10 K in. And so 10 K after that, I was, I basically had no water. So I'm eating snow in the middle of the race. Uh, I get the 30 K and there's a campfire and the the check-in instead of having a timing match or something like that it's just someone with a uh like a, a like a notebook and they're like okay you have to sign your name whatever and um and they had a fire and they had a pot and so i was like i need water there's no water on this course except for the snow my <laughs> my bag is like exploded and but there's a pan. So I'm like, can I steal that pan? And so they had a bonfire or whatever. So I took a bunch of snow, threw it in the pan. And I, I literally sat down in the middle of the race for about 
10 minutes and just melted snow into water and then poured the water into like <laughs> my water bottle. And I was, all I was thinking, there's, there's two aspects of the, um, the situation. I was like, I can't believe like, you know, I'm, I'm losing time. Uh, this is, you know, I, I, I don't have any water. Like this is pissing me off. I'm completely dehydrated. And then part of it, I was just like, I just had to sit back. I'm like, this is going to make a story. This is going to make a good story because <laughs> like you could, you could, you couldn't make this up if you wanted to. So, um, no, no. So I think, I think that's really like key. If you can maintain that focus, um, uh, you know, maybe there's like one redeeming factor when you're in the midst of all this crap. Uh, there's always, you know, one little thing that can maybe pull you through. And if uh, thinking about it as like a future self looking back on you now, how would you want that character to act and then doing whatever you'd like them to do? And I'm curious how um, how rare, how common are completely unsupported races? So it depends. Um, it's alters are kind of their own beast. And so there are some so 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 there was a longer race i think it was like a 3 day race where these guys are basically um in finland they have these sleds they pull behind them called pulkas um and they basically um if you're walking or if you're cross country skiing you have this uh rope tied to like your waist or your shoulder and then you have like a sled of all gear um and food and stuff so you have like 3 days worth of stuff with you um the problem was we we're doing a Ours was a 66K race. So there's like 66K, um, which is like 40-some miles or whatever. And then there's 150K and there's a 300K. But those were those were fat bike and those were uh, cross-country skiing. So you have guys on like cross-country skis doing that. So um, I haven't run into – I think that was the first unsupported, completely unsupported race uh, I've done. Usually most races have something, but – you know, this was basically you run out in the back country and I was all set. Like I had my camel back. I had, I had, I had enough water beforehand, um, to do the whole race. I was like, well prepared. And then five minutes before the race, my, my water bladder, like literally just exploded, uh, completely busted. And then I had to go, you know, it's like, all right, too close for missiles. I'm switching a gun. So I had to switch to, uh, <laughs> like a water bottle. And I'm like, I knew going out, I'm like, this is not going to be enough. Um, but I, I was a little bit more, uh, hopeful <laughs> that I could uh, melt snow on the go, and I just realized I couldn't do that until I like sat down in front of a fire. So, um, yeah, that was my <laughs> that was my water situation, and then and then all that water that I had uh, melted down uh, froze a mile and a half later after I left the camp. So I was like, all right, this place is just never like it's got it in for me, and I have to I have to deal with it. Um, but going so. You've you've talked a couple times uh, a little bit about your background, but I don't know if we went into your background at all um, and some of the stories. And um, I I feel like for the people that are already familiar with you, you know, with the tweets and the blog and the book, uh, they probably have a pretty good idea. But um, can you talk a little bit about like your background before boxing and like why you got into boxing um, and just some of the, <laughs> the details there that people might not know about. Uh, yeah, sure, man. It's, it's a, it's one of my favorite stories. One of those formative year stories, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I didn't start boxing until I was 22. And before that I hadn't really done, I, I like played football in high school and I played a year of football at, at a small division three college, but, 
I would I never thought seriously I'm going to box, but I had spent the years between like 19 and 22 pretty much doing nothing. And I I was dating this girl and I made sure I revolved my entire life around making sure I could see her every day. And when you do something that stupid, you you don't develop yourself at all. I mean, I look like there's just three years. Like at the very least, like when I talk about wasted time in my life, I can I can honestly say that although I speak negatively about my mid and early twenties. At least at that point, I, I I was at least boxing and developing that skill. But but the year nineteen to twenty two, goodness, man, what a just a waste, right? There's there's nothing. I mean, I, that part of my life could vanish, and nothing today would change. Like now, granted, like that that's an exaggeration, you know, butterfly effect and all that. But what I mean is that there's nothing that was going on then. <laughs> there was even a a a slight slight result from today. But with that said, you know, when I when I when I got dumped miserably, I was like, let me go do something to make my life worthwhile because I used to have these arguments with our mom about the the value of higher ed and one day she said, Well and remember her her mom's a professor at a university, so that's automatically a natural I'm I'm a natural antagonist with that perspective. <laughs> so so she said to me one day, she goes, you know, what have you done for four years? Even if you sat in a monastery somewhere on a mountain, uh, you would have had four years invested somewhere. And that really, that really bugged me. I mean, she said that right before she threw me out of her house again that day. You know, I, I, I started getting thrown out quite a bit. But but that stuck with me. I was like, man, you know what? I really need to do something. I really need to put my four years in somewhere, right? And I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to go to college. So I was like, you know what? I'm curious about boxing. I think I had been watching YouTube videos. That was like right when YouTube started. So I went and found a gym. Well, it wasn't it wasn't that quick. At first, I had to get a car to get to the gym, and turns out the, the gym was <laughs> on the bus line anyway. And you know, this is also related. Someone I always yeah. find different parts of the story whenever I tell it that I remember. This is also related to me learning to drive a stick shift because the first, the car I got that was initially taking me to the gym was a stick shift, and my friend who was selling it to me wouldn't sell it to me unless I could start <laughs> on a hill. So, and it was great too. I mean, it was a four hundred dollar car that was not in bad shape. It lasted me. So, so yeah, uh, that's how I got into the gym. Is that I needed to do something. And I thought the best option was like, let me go do boxing. That's cool. People like me if I box, you know, <laughs> stupid. That 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 motivation evaporated eventually. That's not why I box at all. I don't care, you know, what people think of me now. As, as long as they don't think I'm like some child molester or something crazy like that. But <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, that's how I got into the gym. And I really, I'm really happy because going to the gym started a small but but now it's gained momentum after ten years, changing who I am, and has really made me a way better person. Funny you hear that yeah. you know, punching people makes you better, but it has. It's it's taught me a lot about discipline. It's taught me a lot about pain. It's taught me a lot about. Uh, it's taught me a lot about luck. But uh, that's a whole set of stories in and of itself. You know, they say luck is opportunity meets preparation, and I'll tell you what, man, there are a lot of there are a lot a lot of my breaks. I've had, I've had a better than average career for someone who's got who got started at my age, and a lot of it was just making the right 
on emotional decisions and putting myself in a position to where my preparation would influence the outcome or in my future, even though I didn't know how or I didn't have control of the out of the, of the eventual uh, intersection between the opportunity and my preparation. So, yeah. So with with boxing, I was going to ask you about this. Um, you kind of went from a place where you're kind of flo- it seems like you're a little floating. You hadn't really committed to doing anything, not doing school, uh, you know, just kind of meandering a little bit. Um, you start boxing because, you know, you, you want people to like you or whatever it is. I, I imagine that goes away pretty soon as as soon as you get punched in the uh, face. Um, <laughs> yep. And 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 then what? What was the thing that made you stick with boxing? Because I can imagine like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do boxing or whatever. And unlike, you know, basketball or something where you're like, oh, I'm just not a good shot. I'm really sure. Like maybe something, you know, like maybe I'm just not good at this. Like boxing is like, oh, I got punched in the face really quickly and that hurt. I don't want to go back there. Uh, But something about that situation obviously pulled you in and you've been doing it for what 10 yeah, years now? yeah and, and then i plan to come back because uh, right now i'm in a, a, a almost done with the year off period and then i'll be back training full-time i already started my, my running routine and goodness man cardio is is a beast you know <laughs> I, I don't have what, to tell what you. did you, you you put out something this morning about it you said cardio is yeah, like cardio's, uh, you know uh, i don't and people who disagree i don't think they understand what i'm talking about or they've experienced like I don't think they've experienced having the the cardiovascular output of a boxer and then going to a normal person and then trying to get it back. It, it It's painful, but it is definitely easier to, to get back than losing strength. It's not even a question, but it also fades way faster than strength. Yeah. You mean like you set yourself up lifting. I mean, let, to put this in perspective, at the height of my training for football, I think I was benching like 375. I have not put myself through a heavy lifting program like that since in over 10 years. And I can still get on a bench and throw up 315 cold. I mean, it's just not, it's not comparable. But I, but, but my peak running conditioning, like when I'm, when I'm getting ready <laughs> for a fight, I can, I can mow down four miles in 28 minutes. There's, that's not, that that is not a weak pace whatsoever. I cannot do that cold. I I can't just walk out. You know, I, if I stop running for for a month, I can't do that. That that is consistent yeah. training. But um, yeah. What was the, the original question? I know it wasn't related. No, I'm 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 sympathizing over here because uh, I know I know exactly what you mean. Um, oh, the, me, the original what question kept was, me in? what kept me in? Yeah, what what kept you in? Because as soon as you get punched in the face. Uh, was it Tyson had yeah, that quote? Everybody has a plan until you get. Face. Yeah, so so this, yep. the, what kept me in is I I never really had a plan to leave and and when I say that like yeah if I if I went out there and got like Molly Watt my first like five fights I'd be like huh this probably isn't worth it but mm-hmm. I had early success and my natural attitude towards towards things which is okay I'm not going to leave. I'm going to have to get beat out of this or make a mistake out of this. Those two things combine the early success, the continued success, right? I also really enjoyed the learning part of it. People don't, people, a lot of people don't understand what it's like to learn to use your body in this way, because what, what it comes down to in the end is control. Control 
is is a it's a function of ability, right? It's a function of strength. It's a function of agility. All of these things getting my neuro my my um my neuromuscular system, I believe that is the right combination to work in tandem and to execute when I wanted to execute, to push through being hurt, to push through pain, to feel fear, to confront your emotions, all of these things I really enjoy the self-development aspect of boxing. So that naturally kept me in because I could see how I was developing, how I was improving, not just physically, which is the obvious part, but mentally and emotionally. I could see um, how every how people's perception of me changed as I changed, and that was really important. I mean, there was obviously quite a bit of work to do in the person I was compared to the person I am today and even the person I'll be in 10 years. But one of the things that kept me is I greatly enjoy seeing the the progress I was making. I mean, you can really get addicted to progress. It's awesome. And I just, I don't understand just like quitting a thing. That's not, that's not me. I mean, I, I, to to put that in perspective, like this semester, uh, I took on four, 400 level physics classes and that's a dumb thing to do you know but no one told me that was dumb <laughs> they just caught like my advisor knows my personality and she just went along with it she didn't she didn't raise an eyebrow she just helped me out and then when i realized i was in over my head i went and told her and she said you know i thought that was a bad idea and i'm like why don't you tell me she was like well you know i know you would do it anyway and, and you had to figure out for yourself and i just want to help people with their goals and i'm like great but but yeah, like I don't consider that quitting. It's not like I dropped out of school. I I, I encountered a limit, and that's the only. Did way. you? So so what'd you do with it? Did you did you drop I a class or did you? Uh, and now it? I'll be there for one more semester. The original goal was to graduate this semester because I had four. That was that was my only requirement left. Four four physics classes of a four hundred level or higher, and and so now I just dropped two and I'll be back next semester. But I tell you what. The the whole idea of quitting is just not it's not part of me. I don't really understand how people can put, especially after you've invested some sweat equity. We're not even talking about people, you know, where where I can at least make the stretch mentally and imagine. Okay, you had a you had a you fell off the horse. You don't want to get back on it, right? I don't agree with it, but I can understand that. But if you're a great rider and you fall off the horse, or you've even like ridden a few times you fall off and then you're like oh that's it one little mess up i'm done no i don't get that uh so yeah that that's pretty much what kept me in boxing those two attitudes or those two feelings the improvement and the no quit and the 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 interesting piece that you said you kind of glossed over it a little bit um you said something like you didn't drop out um and i think that's super important that maybe a lot of people don't um they don't always pick up is just because you have to change the plan doesn't mean you have to <laughs> to give right. up entirely. Cause there's people that be like, you know, ah, this, this semester sucks. I'm done. I'm leaving. Like I'm not doing this anymore. And you're like, Whoa, that was a bad decision. <laughs> it's probably, probably overkill. Uh, <laughs> might not have known that if, if I didn't just jump into it and now that I do, you know, going to, do another semester and it's going to take another, yeah. you know, a little more no, time. You got to find your limits. And the playing. only way people talk about limits and all that, like, look, and you know, cause I was just reading your blog today, man, you, you know this, so you can kind of take this and even put it in your own words, different from me. 
you don't know what your limits really are until you push past them. You can't approach them and know. It doesn't work that way. You have to go past them and get defeated or, or get severely hindered and go, okay, this is where my breaking point is. If you, but because every point beforehand, especially if you have the, the type of personality that I have, every point beforehand, you'll just keep pushing. I mean, you, there's no way, why wouldn't you? You go, okay, I did this. I'll just do this. I'll do a little more. I'll do a little more, you know, because we, we see the world linearly as people. So we think, okay, this worked. So I got this. Let me do more of this. I'll get more of that. Ah, not so much. There is definitely a point. It is more like a curve where you reach the top and everything after that you pay for with diminished performance and results. Mm -hmm. The, um, There's something there's something too where you have to be willing to um have like experience that pain, experience that failure, experience that overwhelm um in order to get stronger. You know, it's like lifting weights is your muscles are actually breaking themselves down uh and then you build up stronger. And I think a lot of people try to insulate themselves from ever actually experiencing like pain or difficulty and that buffer that they give themselves to avoid pain is you know uh a good a good section inside what their actual limits are and so if they're not willing to go beyond the pain um they're not going to be able to do more than um what they've done before um and and I'm really curious cuz you're you're talking a lot again you know this is the one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you cuz we have different backgrounds, uh, different sports, but there's a physicality, there's a physicality to boxing that you have to experience that is, I think, I think there's something to the fact that most people don't, they're not really familiar with their bodies. <laughs> um, they don't, I, I don't know if that sounds no, weird, no, but like I, people I don't know. You. I, I want to see where you go with this, but I, I definitely agree with the general statement that you made. Yeah, so people don't people don't know what actual pain is. They 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 think, okay, I worked out really hard yesterday. Now I'm sore. Like that's pain. Like that's not pain. Like that's 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 sore. discomfort. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you're uncomfortable. And and there's this idea that people have sort of, um, they're not in their bodies all the time, and they then they get stuck in their heads, and they're instead of doing things with their body in life. They're stuck in their head and then they get stuck in circles. Um, and I've seen this quite a bit with people where they they have entire arguments in their head um, and they all make perfect sense. And then if you ask them to write it out or if you ask them to speak it out loud uh, because that's using their body, they, they run into problems. Or if you ask, ask them to actually just do the thing or try the thing that you're thinking about all the time, they run into issues because – there's like an unfamiliarity with their body and there's something about ultra marathons where you get to the point in every single race. It doesn't matter how good of a runner you are. Like I mean, maybe some of the really good guys, I'm not, I'm not that good. I'm, I, I, I can outlast people with pain, but I'm not super fast. So, um, maybe there's some guys out there that just, you know, they never feel pain. They're, they're cruising for all hundred miles, whatever. Um, for me, I know every race <laughs> there's going to be a point where I'm just like, 
man, I want to go home right now. I am like, this hurts. I do not want to be here. And, um, and then I like, that's the reason I run the race because I get to that point and that's the race for me. That that's the decision where I have the opportunity to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, knock off at the next aid station and go home (laughs) or, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push through this and I, I might be super slow the whole time. Like I, like I've, I've had races where I'm like, I don't know if I, like I'm aiming to hit the cutoff right now. I'm, it's going to be close, but I am not going to not like, I'm not going to not finish this thing. And like, there's a, like, I don't, I don't know if it's like in your gut or your soul or wherever it is, but there's just like with all the pain and all the, like, you know, I, I had, I had one race where, that that Finland race where I had no yeah. water, um, I had bu- busted my foot basically. I was kind of like cobbling um, on the way home. It was negative sixteen degrees out. My water had frozen after I had melted it. Like everything that could go wrong was going wrong, and um, I just kind of like <laughs> did like some big deep guttural breaths. <laughs> that uh, I just finished watching The Punisher, and I'm I, they're kind of like the breaths he was making when he was going crazy, but. Um, you just like take these deep, big, deep guttural breaths, and then you just like this is happening. And like instead of okay, you know things are happening to me. You know it's cold out. That it's it's specifically being cold to torture me. Uh, I kind of just accepted the reality and said, you know, like this race, you're not gonna you're not gonna beat me. Yeah, there um, you go. You're you're not <laughs> not winning that. And I don't care if I have to crawl to the, the, the finish line, but I'm, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. And I'm not going to get taken off this course. And when you do that, and then you come back to like normal life uh, and people are like, you know what? I don't want to do that. Cause it's hard. <laughs> you're like, what? Um, you're like, there's no perspective. And I imagine there's a similar physicality in boxing where you get I, i'm not going to speak to it but i imagine you get punched a couple times and you're like man i'm, oh, I'm good i'm done sure, here right? you know I, like, I, I'm go you home. know you said something earlier about about the running and the pain and how you anticipate the pain will exist every time right you know you never go into a race thinking okay this one's going to feel great and there we no pain no i like and what i what i try and tell friends they're like man i want to get into running but it just hurts i'm like you got to understand something man i mean maybe i'm the weirdo maybe i'm wrong right but i tell them I'm like, never ever ever have i run a, a good run that actually makes a difference in my my physiology and i haven't hurt you learn to deal with pain. You learn to push through it. It's, that's not going anywhere. Like it, it's, it, it's never going to be, Oh, great. It's time to go run five miles. It's going to be like a massage. Like, you know, that's never going to happen. So instead you just <laughs> learn to push through pain and people are so apprehensive about that pain for lots of different reasons that they don't, they don't push themselves through things. So they don't know what it really feels like to suffer because when you, when you suffer though, like that, and I use suffering in the most general term, when I say that, I don't mean like someone's torturing you. I mean, sustained discomfort that is going to make most people submit to an outside force, right? Like you submit to your feeling uh, of, of relaxation. You, you want to, Give up. You, mm-hmm. you just go out. All right. That's it. I like, know that's not, it's not going to help you get anything because life is 
life is not if, if only life rewarded the easy way right that'd be awesome but every single thing i mean sometimes the pain is physical like when you're running on a track sometimes it's mental like when you're gonna stay up all day for the next four days studying for a physics funnel and sometimes it's emotional like <laughs> man i'm afraid of getting out of my comfort zone but i really want to meet some people no matter what Mm-hmm. Uh, all worthwhile things have an element of pain that you have to push through. So it really is depressing when people complain about that aspect that like, oh, that's too hard. That's going to hurt. I feel like they don't understand that they're missing out on such a beautiful part of life because all the great things are on the other side of pain, man. There's just no no way around it. And 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 there's an actual... I don't know if this is me or if this is I, – I imagine it's a universal thing. But when you finish something really difficult and really painful and you're often still in the pain, like oh, right after cool. a race and I'm – like my knees can't move. Like I like my – everything is shot. Um, like there's I – don't, I don't know if it's a endorphins that kick in or, or, or you know what it is. But being under stress like that – there's something almost calming uh, to your body physiologically where you're like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than like my body knows that was good for me, even though it was super painful. Yeah, you know, no one ever complains. I've never heard, man, I'm mad I went to the gym today. Man, that workout made me feel like shit. <laughs> like I've never heard that. Just like I've, I've, I've never yeah. heard someone make it through an exam and go, man, I'm mad I took that class this semester if it was like something they wanted to do you know it, it, it never it it never works that way we always imagine the worst part our minds immediately go to the worst thing and that's horrible because the worst thing is like the worst thing is just the pain of doing it right and that's not even that bad you know what i'm going to be out of breath a little bit i'm gonna be sore oh big deal man right you know victor frank will march through the cold with 12 miles with no shoes on i'm be a little cold i'm gonna be a little out of breath <laughs> running for five miles come on man it's, it's not that serious and you get a much greater reward i mean all frankel got was his life you, you're gonna get some abs if you yeah. keep at it <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a, that's a tweetable um, one of the, one of the, one of the quotes I think I've seen you, I might be pinned on your Twitter. I saw it a long time ago and it, it stuck with me. Um, uh, actually when I was going through, uh, some really rough, uh, business legal stuff was, um, handle, learn to handle a level of stress that would break oh, most yeah. people. Is that, is that That's the correct right. That's quote? Right. And I have a section of my, in my book from of where I took that from and, or rather, I had that and you wanna, put that in the book. However, you want to look at it, chicken egg, you know. <laughs> you took it yeah. from your own book, plagiarizing <laughs> yourself. Um, you you want to talk about that a little bit? Because actually, that that was like I don't know if you were talking about that physiologically, but uh, I was going through a point where um, mentally I was under a ton of stress, and um, I just realized I was like, man, this is like this is a lot like uh, it was a lawsuit and a bunch of other things that were going on. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. And then I, I, the way I have it in my mind is I, I saw this quote and I was like, okay, well I'm going to be a person that I like, I'm going uh, yeah, to be the one make that makes it. it through this. Because you know, um, that that's what the whole, 
look at it evolutionarily, right? We we have these things, evolutionary stressors, uh, what do they call fitness indicators that, that, that show up after you survive, which pretty much demonstrate you've adapted. If you cannot adapt, you die, right? And stress is just mm-hmm. one of those things, man, one of those evolutionary pressures. If you can't make it through a thing, that thing is going to defeat you. Someone else who does make it through it, they're going to get the benefit. The benefit's the same. I mean, I, I like to, but, but just because that's where my, my, my space is right now for school, I, that's where the analogy comes from, but we can use it in, in, in anything, right? We're, we're going to go to college and we're going to make it through college and college is going to be, it's going to be stressful. Some people, they drop out. And those people, you know, if they drop out because the work was too hard, we're not talking about guys that drop out for business. Look, it's amazing how pedantic Twitter makes me. Like, like <laughs> I have to think about the 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 way, which is good. I mean, I guess it makes me a better communicator and better with rhetoric. But yeah, well, what I say is like, if you drop out of like school because you can't handle the workload, then what else can you not handle? I mean, call it this easy. <laughs> And now you're going to give up a guaranteed minimum salary or, or close enough to guarantee that you can get in this day and age, anyhow. And, you know, you'll be behind. You won't get the, the benefits that the other person could if they had stuck with the stress. It's the same working out. I mean, all these all these people you see on Instagram with these fitness accounts and everything, what is the difference between them and the average person? It's not what they're selling you. It's their their work ethic. They they stuck through the stress. They went to the gym. They got up and ran. They controlled their diet and avoided the sugars. Uh, okay, are you gonna go through that stress? Or are you gonna buckle under it and go, man? You know what? I I really I really worked hard today. I'm gonna have me a few beers. I'm gonna slack off at the gym and watch some TV. And then next thing you know, it's like, well, it's the weekend. I should do that. And then then by the time Monday afternoon comes around, you know, that's four days you've wasted. And you're like, oh. and at that point, it's a habit. And so every everything that is worthwhile has an element of stress, right? And if you could, and the greater the stress, generally speaking, the greater the reward will be. So mm-hmm. if you can learn to manage so, it, you get greater rewards. If you yeah. can make it through it, you can either make it through it or manage it. And when I say manage it, you know, that's like delegation techniques, all these things to, to reduce the amount of individual stress that you, that you have to deal with. Or you just, you make it through it. I mean, some people are like, demons with this like when i hear some of these guys that sleep five hours all right look i i have i probably need slightly less sleep than average but i can i could never i mean when i do five hours of sleep i think i can do it for like three days before my brain can't absorb anything and i have to go to sleep when i start getting headaches but some people can do it i'm not one of them (laughs) but some people can some people can handle that stress and and if there is a reward they get for that, great. They got it. My my game, I gotta delegate it. But either way, we both have to manage that stress and make it through it. That stress that breaks most people. The uh I, I think I could do um like two or three days of like less than seven hours of sleep. And I always think I'm being clever. I'm like, yes. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to start at 7, work my way down to 6, and I'm going to be at 5 <laughs> and then I'm 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 going to be super productive during the day. And no matter what, like my body always 
my if if I do that enough days in a row, then I'll just like sleep 10, 10 hours a day for like three or four days and my body gets to sleep back. So um, I've figured that's a sleep is actually a decent way to handle yeah, stress. So so, don't don't, don't uh, skip on the sleep. Anybody listening, man, you can do it for for a little while, but you, you got to manage. You just have to manage it better. I mean, I used to be whenever I whenever I'm on night out, I know I knew eventually, you know, you give it th- three to five days before I'm like clonked out. You know, I'll, I'll put in like the, the, some, some late nights, early mornings, three days in a row, about a fourth day, my girl's coming home. It's like the middle of the day and I'm asleep and it's like, okay, what happened? Well, you know, I have to make up that sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out for the day. I wake my- up to eat and then I go back to bed at like eight o'clock and it, that's funny. There, the, um, I want to touch on one one other thing you said earlier. Um, you you said something about, um, uh, but you were describing how people were talking. Uh, you know the fitness accounts. Uh, some people are able to get through the stress. Some people say, you know, oh, I just got back done, but you know, hard day at work. And there seems to be a directionality on where people are focused. Like if people are people that are doing stuff are always talking about like uh, they're like bargaining bargaining with like their future selves. They're talking about like, hey, uh, I'm doing you know this course right now so that in a year I can graduate and do X, Y, Z. I'm going to the gym right now so I can, you know, get this fitness goal. And the people that, uh, like your ability to handle stress is kind of depending on which direction you're looking at. And I'm just talking out of the top of my head. So I'm not sure if I'm going to articulate this correctly, but, um, like the people that aren't able to handle it are always looking at like what they just did. Uh, like even in the example you said, you said I had a hard day at work um things are really tough i kind of deserve this beer or or what whatever their uh that specific example is they're looking at the things that their past yeah. self did and they're like hey <laughs> you know i gotta i gotta reward him um and they're not looking this forward and then they basically take the the three days of the weekend to like reward yourself for being such a good uh you know, soldier, you know, during the weekday or whatever, and they completely forgetting about the future. And there's, I think there's a reason why the people that are looking kind of towards their, their future are progressing and people who are looking at the present or the past. And you find out, you know, five years later, they're kind of still doing the same thing, kind of just, you know, kind of cruising along and, you know, they're, they're happy with it, but maybe they're not that happy with it. Maybe they're just, Dulled Dude, that is it. the man. I've I've done. A, let me tell you something. I've probably at this point done. I mean, maybe at least sixty. I mean, I've lost count. Uh, podcast, and that is one of the most profound things, if not the most profound thing that I've like heard on on any on any interview or, or talk I've done. That that's that's so spot on, man. Like, yeah. Because at the at the end of the day, right? When I'm whenever I'm like able to, whenever I stick to like a low carb diet, because I'm thinking like, okay, I want to get a certain shape and body fat percentage and get ready for whatever, right? And just get healthy. I'm not thinking about my old self, except for how I can distance myself from those habits. Right? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. People who cannot stick. Get the- Got that old photo of you <laughs> yeah. up on the on the wall. You're like, I'm getting as far away from that. Yeah, people as who cannot 
make these changes in this regard are like, okay, let me look back at my old self and see what I can continue to be, what I can carry. How can I just kind of put my foot into the water of the, the, the shallow end of the future pool instead of jumping all the way in? And when they do that, you know, they, they never get what? They never go with the Todd. Man, this is like solid stuff i'm just just thinking about about this now my whole brain is like on fire with this analogy but yeah if if you're always looking at how you can or or what you've done and and what that means to you and what you deserve for from it you can't ever get to the future because you're always like you're by the by the purest definition of the word you're playing catch-up you're always playing catch up. Mm-hmm. You're not proactively going after future. You're reacting to what you've done in the past, which means you're you, you're a slave to it. You can't you can't leave behind your old habits. And and even when you're moving forward, you're still like you're still just backfilling. You're like, okay, well, this is for last week. Like, you, why not do something now that like like prefills your yourself for for the next week coming up, so you don't have to like feel like you're in this hole that you have to. Uh, right, you know, and, and really, really because... feel. I mean, I think this is all about. It's like why how saving works with money, for example. If you, when you have a little bit of access to save, you save it, and you can think about the future, what you're trying to get done with it, or you can go, man, you know, I put away this hundred bucks. I had a pretty good week. Let me go out and party with it. Like, <laughs> like, okay, cool. Now all you've done is set yourself back to the person you were before you had that hundred bucks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a man that is like real never I've never thought of it like that before the whole where your direction is based on or, or where your vision is what you're looking at are you looking towards your future self and planning for that making decisions based on that or are you making decisions based on a way that will facilitate your old self that will because a lot of people think they can bring in who they were to the future, right? It's like, oh man, I'm not going to bring in 2017's old habits in the 2018. Like, okay, that's cool, but you got to be a completely different person than you were in 2017. And most people aren't ready to do that. I think about this when I, when I, every time I, when I think about my sobriety, I go, okay, it was People go, man, how could you give a booze on December 23rd? And I'm like, because I was tired of who I was on December 22nd, right? That person is gone. And now this new person has to come in and he cannot carry anything from the old God. The minute I start thinking I can be the old God is the minute the old God's habits show up. And now I'm going to go back to being that dude. It'd be all the, I'm coming up on four years, four years be waste. It'd be like, Oh, okay. Gone. Boom. Poof. Back to who I was like, no, I can never be the old person. You gotta, you gotta make some concession. You gotta make some change. People don't want to change because it's painful. We're coming back full, back full circle to the pain, right? It's pain, painful to change. Yeah. At the very least, it is very, it is uncomfortable to change. And and the interesting thing about that, and maybe we wind down after that, but the 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 twenty third, like someone, I could. You know, people people say that all the time. Oh, I'm gonna wait till after the holidays to like change job meeting and all this other stuff. And you're like, you're like arbitrary days with like arbitrary like outside prescribed amounts of food or types of food or uh, you know amount of alcohol that you're like supposed to be drinking. Like, like all those are more important than the thing that you say that you want to become or the things that you say you want to do. And people, <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, I'm gonna start that beginning of the month. Like, well, what? 
like today, today works. Today's today, today's a good day. Um, all these other things yeah. are just you, you know, know ethereal it, and made it's, up, it's, and you're like free. all of a sudden they're the most all, important you know, things. It's like every every time a person because I could have done that, right? I could have been like, oh man, I'm gonna wait until January first. Boom, right? But but you know what? Right, you know what? No, you know what? December thirty first is. That's one of the days where a lot of people drink, and maybe I do something stupid. Maybe my life is completely different. I didn't want to be that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Period. It didn't matter. December twenty third is just when I was like, okay, now or never, man. Line in the sand. That's what that day is. And I, I stepped over the line, and that's. I'm so happy I did, because if I had decided, oh, you know, I'm gonna wait. You know, who knows what battles are gonna break out. <laughs> On that side of the line, if I stayed, especially with with the biggest battle coming up, the battle of New Year's Eve. And I was not I was not interested in fighting. I I didn't think I would have I had new soldiers on the team, man. I was like, nah, man, it's just it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let's get my army to safety so we can we can fight another day. (laughs) Well, the even even just becoming the person that's going to make that decision on December 23rd is a different person than the person who wouldn't. Um, so like you have to become that person. It's like, you know, I'm going to sacrifice the next eight days or whatever. Cause you know, and, and you know, what's funny, and, right. You know, holidays and everything. <laughs> Does it feel like a sacrifice? Maybe at first, but now I'm like, it's so funny. You just, you just look and see how your mind changes each year or even each month. And now I look and I go, man, how did I not do this sooner? Like that, that's my thought. I'm like, wow, I, I wish I, I, I had made this decision, decision sooner, but you know what? Uh, while I don't believe in the intervention of a higher power into mortal matters, I do think there is a course set. And if you take an opportunity that has been presented to you, then you may go down a path that you were perhaps meant to be on or that is an optimal path. But there are multiple paths available to you. Like I say, the path each person is meant to be on is the path that is right for who they are with their with their particular gifts and talents and ways of seeing the world i think i think um if we define right path in that manner that once you get yourself under control and you start making the correct decisions about your day-to-day living then it puts you in a much better position to be on that path no i uh I think I think I think we should wrap up there. I actually uh, like that's a good way to that's a good good way to cap this. But um, I I had um, I put out a tweet the other day asking um, if people had questions for you, and I want to maybe we just uh, finish up with some um, maybe lighter stuff because okay. that's a that's a good way to end the uh, motivational kick ass portion of the. Of the <laughs> Great man, hey, I, I just like I just like to get, like I said, man, break down what I learned the hard way, so you can learn it the easy way. I like that. Um, so one of the things that people kept asking about when uh, I told them I was going to interview, um, a bunch of people want to know what your process is um, for getting good at Twitter. And this sounds, guys, if if you're, you're not familiar with Ed um, on Twitter, this sounds like I'm like making a joke or whatever. But he. I mean, you've probably gone from like eight to like 30,000 followers in the oh, last man. year or something if, like that. Like, I don't know, know the growth exactly, right? Um, I'll, I'll keep it, you know, because we're wrapping up. I'll, I'll keep it short. When I first, 
No, no, we're we're, oh, we're good. We just uh, we just wound down the, oh, the great, super great, serious great. part of the time. So we when can, I first started, when I first can, started using tell. Twitter, I had no idea what I was doing, uh, n- no clue, and I was like, oh, this is just the generic thing. I tried to pay some guy that I, but, but I didn't know anything about Twitter. I tried to pay some guy to like run my account, and he went and put my account on this auto adder thing, and I had like I was following all mm-hmm. these people who were like follow back, follow back, follow back. It was weird. So I was like, okay, we're done with that. That's not going to work anymore. And then I went and unfollowed a whole bunch of, I mean, there are like garbage accounts that were like, literally they just, you follow them, they follow you back. And I'm like, okay, not happening. So then I was like, all right, how am I going to use this? Well, let me just use it like any other, in my mind, thank goodness, you know, like I said, everyone has their own little gifts and contributions to the world. I, I think where I'm probably a little better than average is I can see how people are going to link and work together, i.e. like networking, reading human beings, etc. So I was like, okay, uh, th- that's all Twitter really is, this this giant connection of ideas. So let me just reach out, find the people I like to deal with and talk to, see their stuff, add some value. I mean, and, it, and it's worked. In terms of the growth, I remember last year, uh, exactly where I was. I think I was on day three of my, my vacation in Paris for the holidays and I had crossed 10,000 followers and I was like, Oh yay. Right. 10,000. I'm going by the end of the day, maybe today I'll cross 30,000. So in one year I've, I've gained, you know, 20 K and the year before that, I think I was, I think I was, I think I gained 7,500 between 2016 and 2015 Christmas and then between 2016 and 2017 Christmas, I definitely I'm almost 20,000. And and the cool thing about this is it's not just like a numbers game. It's not like you're some like you know uh, crazy personality that you know put out their sex yeah. tape and <laughs> and they got super famous and it's great. But like people reading you for yes, your words, which is what I love. Um, and those and it, and it's not just like bloviating, you know, super long like. Um, they're useful insights that make you go, oh. And I think my biggest problem is you have too many of them, uh, and you re- retweet old ones, and so then it. Right. It for me, I've had a <laughs> so, like I told you at the beginning. I'm like, this is too much. I'm getting stuck in Twitter. I got to go do stuff, but uh, I need to. I need to have a a service that just serves me up like one ed tweet. Uh, I was thinking about making an app or something that does that maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah, in terms of what I do though, I mean literally, oh. The first part is that's just how I think and see the world, right? Every, like every, literally everything I'm tweeting are, are things I'm thinking and reflecting on or conversations I'm having. My girlfriend will say something, I'll tweet it, and she'll look down five minutes later and say, hey, how did you, when did you tweet that? Like, we were having a conversation yesterday. She said, she said, uh, she was talking about something she was doing at work, and she mentioned something that just popped out to me. I was like, this would be a great tweet, you know, you know. Too, too much talk is worse than no action. I was like, man, that's awesome, right? So I just got in and heard her say that. So it really is just things, for whatever reason, short, clear ways and general statements, overarching ideas, how I can fit the universe into my kind of sensibility, or rather make my sensibilities match with the universe, you find is a, is a mm-hmm. great process for thinking. And I do that with Twitter. And then when I when I hit on something or I'm just thinking about a thing or when I'm writing, a lot of times when I'm writing, 
I'll go through a line that I have in the in the blog and I'll pop it out on Twitter and see how it hits. I mean, I'm I'm gonna use it anyway, but but I mm-hmm. I know it'll work well, especially you know I used to use. Now I don't do it this way because you have a 280 characters. But part of promoting my blog is if if each of my sentences fits as a tweet, it makes it way more likely a person will retweet the blog and then use that that uh, line as like a lead in. Like you know, here's what it says: read the, the thing, and it's working. My page views are. I'm not. I'm not. I, I think. I think I'll hit. I'm on pace to have a hundred thousand page views for a uh, for a thirty day period over the next 10 days so you know that's that's not i don't think that's really well i said 100 yeah 100,000 yeah i hit 50,000 consistently like back in december and a lot of it is just okay. not december wow it's december now back in september that's what i meant to say uh, so so a lot of it is just just using my mind and taking one out how how much yeah how much is it from like um uh, a physical perspective and so like a lot of a lot of the things that I'll come up with are like on long runs where I'm just like actually forget a lot of like good pieces of writing that I'll like come up with or like hooks or something like that when I'm running I'll like come up with like 20 ideas and remember oh. like five of them <laughs> at the end of it um, like when I'm doing something physically hard or like I'll have like um, like I'll say something to myself and a lot of the times, I don't know if this happens with other writers or whatever, but a lot of the times, the things that I'm writing, people will, will say something back to me and I'll be like, they'll be like, oh, wow, that was, it was like you wrote that just for me. And I'm like, that was actually for me. Like, yeah. that was me. I put on a blog <laughs> it's for public, but that was something I needed to write myself before going to the gym today or whatever it was because, um, like, you just have to give yourself perspective and you bring yourself back down to reality and instead of, getting stuck in your right. head you know um i've i've said like working out is it it gets you familiar with your body but then like writing stuff down to me is like exercise for your brain and it helps you like see the flaws in your own thinking and um improves your ability to perceive kind of reality sometimes when you're like oh well that's not actually how the world is right. putting it down on paper is helpful. Ha- you know it really is important to think about how you think. And a lot of people don't like to do that because, well, for, for starters, you might find out that the way you think about a thing is a sharp, as a sharp antagonist to how you feel about a thing. And that's where it gets interesting. Right now, now I'm the type of person, the way I lead, I lead with my mind. I mean, I can consider things, with my heart and my emotions and I, but I, but when I make a decision, I'm always thinking about what's optimal for the time and, and what's good is that I can think through that. And if the emotional part is most important to me, I decide to make a decision based on that, but I never make an emotional decision. I make a mental decision that may take into account the feelings. If the feelings are like, a high priority of the the thing, you know. It's like deciding, you know. It's like it's like the decision: do I do I sit and work on this now, or do I go hang out and go take a walk with my girl? Well, maybe if I haven't seen her in two days or something like that, you know, we wouldn't. That's more important because that's really important to my relationship and my happiness. So I go do that. That makes more sense to me. 
I can I can rap because because that's important. I'm not doing it because like oh man, I have no control over my emotions. No, I've decided and ranked out the values and priorities in my life. And if I have slipped and slacked in that one, I have to build up, you know, build up the the levels to to they're not critical, mm-hmm. right? So so there's that. But if you don't think about how you think, you don't you won't. It's almost impossible to uncover the flaws and how you analyze a thing or, or some of the conclusions or behaviors you have and how they create an internal cognitive dissonance, which I think is one of the things that holds a lot of people back. You know, they they feel one way, but they do another way. They act another way and think another way. Well, you're not going to uncover that in, con- in You're not going to cover that incongruity by uh, analyzing your emotions because because, you know, how you feel is how you feel and emotions are a different thing entirely they have to be treated differently you you don't think through them and you're not going to look at your body and go okay that was dumb because you i mean you you're that's just the vessel for getting things done it doesn't think it doesn't know i mean you can you if you really wanted to you could go run yourself till you collapse the body's not going to go hey buddy slow down no it's gonna be like all right man you said keep running i mean you know you feel this pain i'm giving you but you don't you do what you want with it um so you have to think (laughs) you have to think through things and if you think through things you're gonna uncover you're gonna uncover biases you're gonna uncover prejudices you're gonna uncover things you're good at you're gonna uncover things you're horrible at you're gonna uncover misconceptions you uncover areas of truth that most people do not consider obvious and what you do with this information now is the fun part. But most people don't even get to the point where they're aware of themselves. What do they say? Know thyself. Part of that is knowing how you think. And this all comes back to Twitter because really, I mean, at the end of the day, and I, I don't wanna I don't wanna like downplay it, but but really I, I wanna I wanna make it relatable though. At the end of the day, all I'm doing is tweeting my thought process and and what I'm seeing and how I'm seeing it. And and I feel like so many people get so much from it. It really is awesome. I mean, I it, look, if everyone, for, from a rarity standpoint, from a value-generating standpoint, I fully, I, it'd be awesome if everyone thought like me, but if everyone thought like me, what I would do would not be interesting. You'd be like, okay, I'm not going to talk to this guy today. He's just like everyone else. But, but it's rare because a lot of people don't do it, and I think a lot of people can do it. Well, the thing that you said about uh, making like the intellectual decision, not the intellectual decision, but the uh, like the conscious decision and then um, not an emotional one. I feel like a lot of people let their emotions run the show like the motion. Emotions aren't just like in the car, like giving directions they are like on the wheel drunk and, you know, um, uh, pedal to the floor and they're just driving the car and when you can separate the two and you can harness the emotion and use that emotion to be like, okay, this is going to really help me, you know, do this thing, but only after I've made the decision completely on its own. And you don't really get that without being able to think through things, um, being able to write. I, I think writing has been, you know, writing, whether it's personal or on the blog <laughs> or on Twitter, it's probably, it's, it's working out yes. for your brain. And there's like, I, the stress levels that, I feel at, before and after writing, even if I'm like, I don't have anything to write about. My brain is going a million miles an hour. I can't, you know, 
I'm literally writing these things down. <laughs> like I, I, I can't think of anything to say. Um, after, like if I, if I sit that, if I think that, I'm just going to be like going through on a treadmill of stress and be like, okay, I'm stressed. So I can't write anything. So I'm not writing anything. So I'm stressed. And as soon as I write it down, it kind of breaks that cycle. And then I'm like, all right, what? Like, okay. And afterwards there's like a, a calmness that happens and then I can actually start to make decisions. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, if people, like, if you want to get to know yourself, right. Yes. And, um, <laughs> You know, old Twitter, old Twitter is great because you'd have to be concise, and now you can't yeah, kind of I, just I think, go on and on. And I sort of oh, glaze goodness. over any you know, character. There's a way to use the 280, and there's a way to not. First of all, I don't think you should use 280. I mean, to put 280 in perspective, I write paragraphs shorter than that on my blog, and I've measured this. So, what are you going to do with 280? That's not the point. I mean, I th- I really think they gave away one of the most valuable things that the platform or valuable features that the platform had, which is the conciseness. Like now, like if you're wasted, like, like right. I mean, if, if you're wasting time, you're wasting time, but now you're going to waste potentially twice as much time. <laughs> so, which is maybe one of their goals. Yeah. You know, that, so, Hey, what do they say? <laughs> you know, the first hit's always free. That's what they tried. And that's what they did. They gave a few people a sample and then, then they got everyone hooked. <laughs> All right, so I uh, I want to ask you about black coffee, and I've got a couple. Of, I have two two questions to finish oh, with. Man. But um, do you want to explain this for the background? Because literally, I asked people uh, what they wanted to hear from you. What, number one was Twitter, and number black two coffee? was. Uh, which, how do you like your coffee? Which is hilarious, man. <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm like, why does this keep coming up? Why does this keep? Is this a real question? Uh, right. Uh, so, sort of background for anyone who doesn't know. Right. One day, I just I, ha- I had a joke. Right, and it was a joke in my mind. May you know I've seen there's a coffee so black Twitter account. I can say I was making this joke before Twitter. I don't know if I had the joke on Twitter before they did. I'm not debating that. But but what I am just saying is where this came from for me. I said, man, coffee's so black that only three-fifths of its calories count. Now, either you either you get that joke or you don't get that joke. If you get that joke, it's hilarious. If you don't get the joke, you you write me like, man, but the coffee's and calories are doing like 10 calories. I'm like, okay, well, I don't feel like explaining to you the three-fifths compromise or anything. You know, people, and, you know, uh, unrelated to coffee, I took that a step further and I said, uh, Obama is three-fifths the president that Trump is. Now, I said that knowing, I said that on Twitter knowing that someone would not get it and they would light into me. And sure enough, and I said, and then I just sent them a link out of three-fifths compromise, and that was the end of that, right? Uh, so so then I continued. I was like, man, this is just funny. And the next I said, what did I, I think the next thing I thought of was, you know, coffee so black, white girls don't tell their fathers they drink it. And I was like, man, this is really, and then, then people on Twitter, you know, because there's so many followers, they chime and they, they send me some of their, their black coffee jokes. The most notable one I've read, I mean, I've read a few good ones. They're not all great. I mean, uh, the the most notable one I read, though, was uh, Coffee So Black, that 
they had to make it with water from a separate fountain. And I thought, wow, that's outstanding. <laughs> so yeah, the whole idea is that you know you take you take Carvey so black and then you combine that with some type of black uh some type of stereotype or history or, or black history thing, right? Now the idea a great a great coffee so black joke is one that incorporates the physical the qualities of coffee without turning it into too much of a person. For example, you know, coffee so black we had to make it with different water. That focuses on the process of coffee, not like coffee so black it comes with a rap sheet and smokes Newports, which which I've heard, which is funny, right? But to me, anyhow, a better joke is one that maintains the quality of the coffee without personifying it too much, right? Uh, coffee. So, so one, <laughs> one I liked, one I liked that you had was uh, it, it combined like your your two passions, which are I don't know if this is true or not, but physics and coffee. And so it was coffee so black it right. has an event so, horizon. Exactly, it doesn't like, change. That's, that's I, one I can say. I can say <laughs> yeah, that well, that's right. Yeah, there, there's a few safe ones, yeah, and that's one of them. Uh, and uh, and by safe, I mean appropriate for all races. What it is, you know, like like they cut, they come out at the beginning of the movie. This movie is appropriate for all ages. Uh, this black coffee joke is appropriate for all races. There you go. But but yeah, uh, th- there's all kinds of ways to to do a black coffee joke. Coffee so black, this coffee so black that. But you gotta have some fun with it. And I, and I fully recognize I'm probably setting up some white guy to get his ass kicked. I get that. You know, hopefully he exercises discretion when he tells these jokes. Like, I'm the guy you can tell the joke to. And, you know, maybe your coworker not so much. <laughs> there you go. Don't do this and uh, don't play this over your uh, office. Speakers or something <laughs> like that. So, um, cool. So I, I have two big questions that uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, what is, um, uh, and then we can kind of close out, but, um, I'm always curious. People come on, they talk about like what they, what they've done, um, uh, you know, what they're, what they're doing. Um, I'm, I'm curious what's scaring you. Like what's, uh, when you're looking at like, Oh, here, here's, you know, here's what my plan is. I'm, you know, uh, you know, uh, finishing up these semesters. Like what's, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned you're coming off the year of, uh, just getting, um, of, I think you just had your, your, your first loss, uh, like last year or something like that with boxing, You're, you took a year off, like what's scaring you these days? Um, uh, because a lot of times people like to talk about stuff in like retrospect, like, Oh, I yeah. just got through that. It was really hard. It was difficult, but now I have a story, but like now that, you know, like, what are you in right now? That's like, Oh I'm man, in- you know, in terms of fear, I, I don't, Okay, I don't want to say that I am not fearful for the future. Well, no, I'm not. Because, look, I, I made it through. This past year pretty much challenged me in the other way that I needed to be challenged. I didn't it, – it's one thing to intellectually know, okay, you're a smart guy and you have a great following and you say good things and you'll be able to profit from that one day, right? A totally different story when you have to do it. 
when you have to do it, when you realize it's not so hard, it doesn't come so fast, but you do it, you get through it, you learn, you learn because in my case, anyhow, I was baptized by fire. I had no choice because look, I would have loved, I just wrote about, I just wrote this to my, uh, to my email list and I put it on my Facebook page. I would have loved to get a job. Like, like when I was looking for, when I, when I got cut, and I was going back to school. I was looking for work. I was that's all I knew how to do is look for a job. And and no one would hire me. Actually, that's not true. I got I got one offer and they said, Oh, but it's at night. I came home, I told my girlfriend, I said, Hey, this hotel wants me to work on their books, but it's at night. And not since then nor before then has she ever said no. To anything I've suggested. She may have not wanted to do it with me, but that was a thing that I was just doing. But she said no, right? And I was like, okay, you know, you you earned the right to, to, to give me some like real like you can do this. Plus I didn't really want to do it. I mean, I just didn't want to be broke. My whole mentality is that I will go to a, I, I take care of a problem when it shows up with the best tools I have. And at that point in my life, in January, I think this was or December, December, a year ago, uh, the best tool I had was, you know, going to get a job and, but no one would give me like any kind of internship thing because I missed the boat on that. So I went out and I, I ended up, I ended up delivering packages for Amazon for like two weeks. And that was, that was horrible. And mm-hmm. then I, I, I dropped off of that. And then I, by, 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 by happenstance, man, really crazy is, you know, who you know, and, but also opportunity and preparation. I had started tutoring through varsity tutors, the site online, and they were paying 18 bucks an hour, which is better than nothing. But the work was super inconsistent. I asked my, my coach just happened to ask me one day, Hey, what are you doing for money? And I said, I'm doing this. I'm tutoring. He goes, let me talk to my wife who happens to work in a school district. And she goes, oh, well, can he tutor math and science? And I'm like, that's all I can tutor, man. <laughs> like, so, and, but apparently no one else can, you know, high demand. So, so I learned that I, I ended up getting quite a bit of clients and I, I pray. And I remember, I'll never forget this. And this, this is, you know, capitalism is awesome. Right. So I got my first client. They called they called uh, my coach's wife and said, we're really excited. We think he's going to do a great job. And I've done an outstanding job, by the way. But we think he's going to do a great job. But we're surprised at how cheap he was. I gave him my quote of thirty five thousand. I said, huh, they're surprised at how cheap. I." <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I knew it was safe to raise prices and everything. But where am I going with this whole story between that and learning that I really enjoy teaching and tutoring and that I'm really good at it. Now I have all these referrals and I can build it. I know how to build a network within that and, and the success of my writing and how that is growing. And, and I really enjoy that. I and mean, there's so many things I have planned to get done in 2018 once I'm done with my degree. Plus I'll have my degree in physics, which means if I really need to work, I mean, how bad of a job will I get be having the ability to, to crunch numbers. And I, I still like boxing. I like training. I, I'm just not, and, I, and I've learned, I just had a great weekend learning, uh, doing my first affiliate sale partnership with a, with a, with a buddy of mine. I've been learning from a, a great mentor. I, I just, I don't have the fear. If you had asked me that question one year ago, 
the the answer would be just as long, but it would be focused on, on quite a bit, uncharacteristically of myself, quite a bit of negatives, quite a bit of things I am fearful of. But I've I made it through this year uh, wonderfully so, and I did it by confronting and moving through every single thing that I'd be afraid of in the future. Uh, like, I'm at the point, I mean, I really like Twitter and what it's doing for me, but I could lose Twitter tomorrow and and not take a hit on my income, for example. Like, someone says, like, someone asked a question, I've seen that, like, you know, is he worried about living better on Twitter in real life? I was like, what a strange question. Let me see what I think he means. Yeah, I saw that one and what I think he means is that it is what we're talking about. So, so yeah, there, there's no, there's no, there are no fears. I really have got a lot of confidence in myself in an area where I was not, where I just hadn't done anything to know if I was confident. It's not like I lack confidence or not. I just didn't know, but now I know, I know what to do. I've learned, I've learned quite a bit too between this book launch, for example, and the next, the next, well, you know, I, I hope to put out three books in 2018, but I want to. But but I want to launch and do it right. I mean, I, I've got got a lot of backing and a much bigger network now. So I think I think things are going to do go go great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was my next question: is uh, what's scaring you? And then uh, twenty eighteen going forward, a bunch of people are asking, uh, what do you got going on? You got to ah, get back in so the what, uh, what are the plans? The I've actually written the... this down quite a bit, skimming through and then picking like what what is most important. So, so in terms of fighting in 2018, the goal is to fight twice. If I fight three times, that would be excellent. If I fight only once, I would probably have a really good reason for doing so. Like, and not not a negative one. I mean, unless I get injured, but like, you know, I, I had this, this, and this offered, and they wanted me to be here, here, and there, and there's no way I could turn that down for that, whatever. So, so, but the but the goal is to get two fights in in 2018. In terms of writing, I have I don't I don't know if you're familiar with um well well I, I won't mention it in case it doesn't fall off it doesn't go through exactly but a publisher approached me and they've been we've been working together and we're gonna I, I have one book planned for sure and I have another book planned uh some stuff centered around sobriety and forgiveness that is really important to me and and also a course related to that. And I want to just continue to grow the blog and write. And I'll also be spending quite a bit of time at the local chess club. That's one of my 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 goals. I I had to pick between okay. I had to pick when I when I was selecting things to work on, and I wanted to like narrow it down to five. I was I was torn. I was like, do I want to inc- to become fluent in Spanish, or work on building my ELO rating. And I said, uh, ELO rating will probably get me closer to one of my overall much bigger goals for two to three years. So let me do that instead. And then, so, so that's what's coming up in, in 2018. Some more books. Uh, the blog will keep growing. I'll be back in the ring training for, you know, and, and I'll be doing training. Oh, there'll be, I'll be going to YouTube now with, with, with a podcast. Okay. I want to, just get out there. I want another medium, another way to grow, another way, another way to deliver value. Uh, after doing all of these these interviews and stuff, I don't think I'm too bad with my voice and delivering words in that fashion. So I'll try that out and see how it grows. Cool, awesome. No, that's a that's a that's a good list. The uh, the chess one, you have to let me know. Oh, how it goes. I'm uh, I'm terrible <laughs> at chess. So. Um, 
But uh, maybe we uh, maybe we check back on in the uh, middle of 2018 oh, yeah, see how things sure. are going, and uh, we do this again. This is this is awesome, man. Thanks for uh, hanging out for a bit. This is uh, I know we've been uh, kind of circling each other for a while. It's fun to oh fun yeah, to this man. Fun. This is this has been great. You know, it's funny for for a while. You know, I because I had seen you and I. You know, whenever someone has the blue check mark and they retweet me, I'm like, hey, who is this person? And I just kept looking back and forth, and I was like. Oh, great. And then when you, when you, it's funny, uh, you know, I, I have a guy working on my website and he really helps me out. My web guy, I think I wrote to you an email. He said, you know, who would be a great guy for you to, for you to link up with Joel Runyon. Seems like you guys would have a lot in common and would, would you'd be a great guest and it'd be awesome for you and for him. And I said, you know, that's cool. And I was going to, that was on the 2018 list to reach out to you. And then you sent me the email and I was like, wow, man, John's got a great eye. <laughs> there we go awesome so uh, hey uh where where's the uh where's, where's the best place for people to uh find out more about you if they're not already familiar or you want to tell them uh best places to uh sync up with all your all stuff right, so the best place to, you know to see see my mom at work constantly for black coffee jokes <laughs> and life advice and all that good stuff <laughs> is ed Lattimore e-d-l-a-t-i-m-o-r-e at twitter Right, that's my Twitter at Ed Lattimore. My website is edlattimore.com. And those are the two places you can reach me for sure. And then on Facebook, I'm you know, I have my page at Lattimore. But but I'm most active on my Twitter and I really do a lot of work on my website. That's where you can read the, the full length articles and sign up to the mailing list. Don't forget to sign up to the mailing list. Uh <laughs> so, <laughs> And you and you and you got to plug the. Oh two yeah, books too, right? and the, that's right. It's funny. I just clicked on something. That, that Tommy is incredible. Oh uh, yeah, my book. Not caring what other people think is a superpower. Insights from a heavyweight boxer. Me being the heavyweight boxer who gives the insights. You can just find that on Amazon. You know, you look me up at Lattimore or not caring what other people think is a superpower. Uh, that book is you know once again another thing that just gave me confidence that I can make a living on my writing. So. Uh, and, and on top of that, aside from the monetary aspect, because I, while I think a person should get paid for what they do, I think a person should do a good job. Uh, people really, I'm, I'm really surprised at, at some of the responses to the book, but I put a lot of heart and energy into it. So I'm, I'm happy that people are getting things from it. And the other thing, the, the other book I wrote, uh, the, the Four Confidences, which is only available Via PDF, I wanted to to sell that on on my own, to my own distribution network. So yeah, uh, but I have a great little video of that that that, that I didn't even do. You know, it's, it's funny. You people, you affect. You never know. And they so there's this guy Elisertis who has this great YouTube channel where he goes through all of these like the, the Napoleon on Napoleon Hill, uh, Robert Green books. The, you know, the art of power and the art of war and the art of seduction, all those. Well, he does reviews them and does his video summaries and he signed up to my mailing list when I was giving it out for free. And he read it and he said, this is awesome. Would you mind if I did a video summary? And I was like, would I mind? Heck, man, I, I'd pay you to do one. <laughs> one year. I thought he just forgot about me. Uh, but one year. And then he, he came out with it. And it, it was awesome. And people loved it. I loved it. I was just floored just looking at it well he got so much out of it so i think anyone who downloads it will get a lot out of it too and the four confidences you can get that on my website and if you want to see my sense of humor at play also on amazon available is how to catch and kill a crackhead the definitive god 
You know, I, I you know, we, we didn't even get into our crackhead experiences. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I completely failed as an Yeah, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the projects, man, yeah. in the ghetto with a lot of crackheads, and, and you know, you can, what do they say? You can laugh a little or cry a lot. So I decided to make, you know, I developed a, like a mythology, a lore around around the crackhead, and wrote a book about it, and think it's really <laughs> funny. So that's awesome, awesome. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll we'll save a little bit of that for next time, so we'll have some places <laughs> oh, to sure. start off. Oh, for sure, it'll be great. But uh, but I'll have all those links in the show notes, guys. And um, Ed, uh, thanks so much for for jumping on the call and doing this. And uh, we'll have to all do right, it again man, here soon. Thank you for having me. Hey, there we go. Episode number one is in the books. It is good to be back. I am really happy to be back on the show and back on the mic. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please head over to iTunes or Google and leave us a review. It helps us reach a lot more people and challenge them to change their mindset, change their fitness, push their limits, and do something impossible. So if you got a chance, go over to iTunes, go over to Google, leave a little review. It only takes a second. And uh, if you do that, I'll take a cold shower for you, okay? Speaking of cold showers, uh, we don't do ads on the show, but... There are some tools that we have built over the past few years at Impossible that help you push your limits and do something impossible and that you can use in order to support yourself and support the show. So cold shower therapy, uh, change starts in the shower, five minutes as cold as possible every day, 30 days. Uh, You can time yourself. uh, We've actually built an app for this to help you do this and take away every excuse that you have. Uh, The app lets you time yourself. You can put on your favorite pump-up song, and you can see if you can beat the current record, which is at 1,229 showers in a row. Some people are crazy, okay? So it's a there's a free mindset course at coldshowertherapy.com. You can get the app on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, they're actually both free. So um, if you're looking for a way to challenge yourself mentally and physically with the cold, cold shower therapy is a great way to do that. Uh, the second thing is movewellapp.com. If you're an athlete who wants to get stronger or recover from an injury faster, or you're a desk jockey who get aches and pains from sitting down all day, you're going to want to check out MoveWell. I built this app to help you move better as an athlete, get stronger, and recover faster, as well as have less pain. Instead of dealing with stupid pills or things that don't work, we built an app that's a personal mobility coach that you can use anywhere, anytime, in less than 15 minutes. Some of you guys know this story. I built this app after hurting my ankle running an ultramarathon in Patagonia. I needed to do about six months of rehab work, but I hated doing it on my own. And so that's what we built MoveWell for. It's the mobility coach when you can't go into rehab, can't afford rehab, and don't want to just deal with pills or surgery or crap like that. It's a personal mobility coach you can take with you anywhere on your phone. MoveWellApp.com. It's free to try out. It hurts so good. All right, so that's the show. I will see you guys on the next one. Till next time, boom.